Welcome to Bible study. Good to see you all this morning. We are continuing our series uh, this evening or this morning called Principles for a Healthy Marriage. And we're discussing just a number of different uh, practical issues about marriage, uh, things that will help you, things that you need to know. Uh, maybe, uh, if possible, I can help uh, eliminate some of the questions or some of the crises that we have uh, regarding marriages. The reason is marriage is so important. This is uh, going to be our most important human relationship. It's going to be, for most of us, our longest lasting human relationship. It will outlast your children, it will outlast your parents, your friends, your workmates. This is the one relationship that has the potential to bring either the greatest joy, happiness, and satisfaction or the lack of all of those things. The only way that we experience all that marriage can have for us is if our marriage is healthy. So the Bible speaks much about marriage. And what we've been doing in this series is looking at eight principles that will help us build healthy marriages. This morning, uh, our sixth lesson, money matters more than you think. This is the sixth principle uh, for a healthy marriage. Money matters more than you think. Uh, so before we begin, let's get our text, Acts chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 10. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back of part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep, keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it, was it, it not was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his lust. So, so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the, look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last, and the young man came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Okay, here's one of the most uh, controversial scriptures in the New Testament. We'll talk about this in the context of marriage. So... Here is our sixth marriage principle. Money matters more than you think. First, I want to speak about money ignorance. Now, ignorance is a, is a charged word. I'm not using it this morning in a condescending way because I know it can be used that way. You can say things like, don't be ignorant, and it sounds like an insult. I'm not using it that way. The word, its literal definition means to lack knowledge. That's what I want to discuss for a minute is money ignorance. Listen, money touches every part of your marriage relationship, 
Because money touches every part of your life. That is an inescapable part of the world that we live in. Everything that you do, every part of your life, every part of your marriage, of living together, is going to involve money and finances in one way uh, or another, right? Think about this in a very simple way. It costs money to get married, right? That's, that's practical. You, you can't get married without money, uh, even if it's just, you know, uh, whatever it is, the 50 rand to go uh, pay home affairs for the paper, right? You have to rent a home, you have to buy clothes, you have to eat food, right? Once children come along, then they start eating food, right? And, and uh, you know, it's frowned upon uh, if you don't feed them. So it, it costs money to be married. You have to save money, you have to earn money, you have to give money. The danger is this, is that this is so fundamental, right? If I say it costs money, you'd say, yes, duh, it costs money for everything, right? When I wake up and breathe, it feels like it costs money, especially in today's economy. It's so basic that we ignore it. We think, yeah, that's just life. Like if I were to say, I mean, what if my next principle, right? Principle number seven is oxygen really matters. You'd be like, Pastor Heimberg, come on, uh, uh, duh. That's kind of how we feel uh, about the issue of money in marriage. And so it's so mundane, it's so uh, common uh, in uh, life that we really don't even think about it uh, in this context. And so the result is this. Many married people live with money ignorance. They're they're living their lives just not thinking uh, in any real way about money. So there is practical ignorance, of course. Listen, in my not so humble opinion, I think that one of the great ways society is failing people is that it doesn't teach us how to use money, right? That's true in every society. I've been saying this for years uh, in every country. We're not, you know, we teach our kids all kinds of stuff, right? When they go to school, they learn how to do math, but not any math that matters, right? I mean, you can find the area of a circle. Wow, right? See, I I know pi r squared. It's in there. They never once taught me how to set up a savings account. They never taught me about compound interest or credit cards or how to pay my taxes or make a budget. So this is, this is the problem. We are universally ignorant when it comes uh, to money in a very practical way. Acts 5, verse 4. It remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own con- in your own control? So wh- what he's actually saying is, you don't understand money. He says, it was yours, and then you sold it. The money was still yours. The actual problem here, we're going to get into this a little bit later, it is not about tithing. It's not about that at all. It's that Ananias and Sapphira were ignorant about money. They didn't understand how money worked. Listen, this is true for many people in the world. They don't understand finances very well, right? And so let's, let's break this down. Let's be specific. Many people don't understand the power of debt. 
You have believed the lie that the world tells you that debt is how you get ahead, right? You can't afford that new car, it's okay. Just make a payment on it and now you can have a better car and it feels like you get ahead, but it doesn't actually work that way because debt is always putting you behind. It's always, right, because you're paying interest. There's people, you know, you get caught up in the, the loans. They go by different names, you know, payday loans or cash advance loans. Listen, I don't have any money. Can you lend me 500 Rand till next week? Yes, I can, but it's going to cost you 600 Rand to pay it back. No problem as long as I get it. And then you're behind, and then it's this snowball effect, right? The problem with debt is that it's, it's essentially very small decisions that can overwhelm your financial future. When you go into debt, what you're doing is you're borrowing from your future self, right? Imagine if you woke up this morning and another version of you showed up and said, hey, you recognize me, don't you? I hate to break it to you, but it's you from the past and that paycheck you just got, sorry, it's mine. I'm stealing it from you, right? This would be like an ethical conundrum. Can I punch him in the face? It's me, right? But that's what we're doing every day. Every time you get in debt, every time you make a purchase on a credit card, every time you take out a loan against your paycheck, you are essentially robbing your future self. But people don't believe that or they don't understand that. And so they're not adding up the total price in the end right? An item that should cost 10,000 rand, you buy it on credit, it might cost you 15,000 or more, whatever it is. And so the problem is, is that many people are ignorant about debt. Then, of course, there is a practical ignorance about savings, which is the opposite of debt. Debt is a small decision that robs your future. Savings is a small decision that makes an investment in your future. Listen, even if you saved a very small amount, the smallest amount you can think of, if you, whatever it is, if you took out 10 rand out of every paycheck or every week or whatever it was, or you decided I'm going to buy one less coffee or one less fat cake per week and I'm going to put that money in savings, it's not going to look like a lot today. It's not going to look like a lot next month. But if you just keep it up, one day you're going to say, Thank you, past me. You were a genius. You were a financial genius. Now I've got money in a savings account. But the problem is, is people either, again, they don't believe it, or they just ignore it, or they put it off. But listen, even very small amounts saved regularly, they become very powerful things over time. So this is practical ignorance. We have ignorance about the power of maintenance. I'm, I'm going to mess with you for a minute. Is that all right? You know I don't need your permission, but I'm just being polite here, right? There are two types of people in the world with smartphones or, or just any kind of mobile phone that don't put cases on them, right? Very rich people and very poor people. It's amazing to me, right? I see people, they buy a new phone and they, they, don't, put a, they don't put a case on it or a screen protector. It stresses me out. I'm so, what are you doing, you idiot? right? But what's interesting is, you know, you know what, if you're, if you're Elon Musk, whatever, you know, go buy a hundred iPhones. And if you break one, who cares? But you know what? We're not Elon Musk. Most of, and, and what blows my mind 
is how many people that don't have a lot of money, they won't do simple things like put a case on their phone or put a screen protector on it. That right there is the perfect visual demonstration of what the spirit of poverty is. You know what? This phone was expensive. Whatever you paid for it, listen, everyone's phone, we made a healthy investment in it, whatever you paid for it. At your budget level, it was a healthy investment. But you won't spend another 100 rand to put a proper case on it to protect your investment. Right? Let's enlarge the, the, the kind of, oh man, it's getting quiet in here. People sitting there like, but see, that's the spirit of poverty, right? You save and save and save and save. You finally get 5,000 rand, 10,000 rand, whatever it is, to buy that phone you wanted or that you needed for work. Finally got it. Yes, but the spirit of poverty won't protect it. What about our vehicles, right? I watch people, you know, they, they, they make every possible sacrifice to save up. They're going to buy a vehicle so they can get to work or they can drive to church. Wonderful, but they won't change the oil. You know what? It's a pain. I get it. It's a pain in the keister to change your oil because you have to stop in your daily routine. Then you have to pay money for it, right? I've got the, but the problem is if you don't change your oil, eventually you're going to have to change your car. And so again, here is the spirit of poverty and it's robbing you because maintaining things Yes, it's irritating. You have to pay money you don't want to pay, but it's always cheaper than fixing things or replacing them. Amen, Pastor Heinberg. Thank you. I appreciate it for the support. But see, this is, this is just practical financial ignorance. Then, of course, people are ignorant of the power of restraint. Listen, I want to tell you, if you want to learn a financial superpower. It is this, say no. Learn how to say no. My, my wife will tell you this. She, she really dislikes shopping with me for many reasons. We were just, I went to, we went to Cape Town the last couple days. To, I was preaching a marriage seminar uh, for Mitchell's plane. And so on one of the days we had some free time. So we went down to the mall, we walked around. And so, you know, she's walking through stores. I'm just there. I'm and she's like, isn't this love? Yes, it's wonderful. Great. And, and she doesn't like shopping with me. There's two reasons. One is that I, she says that just my mere presence makes her feel like she has to hurry. Right. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything, right. I'll get on my phone and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to fade out. Right. Just put down on but she gets stressed out. But the other reason is, is that no matter what, we'll go through. She'll be like, oh, look at these. These pants. You, you should buy these pants or whatever. That, you know, you need some new. And I'll be like, yeah, sure, fine. But it'll never make it to the register. Right? Because it'll be there. We might even put it in the cart. And I'll be like, yes. And about halfway, I don't need this. I'll just put it back. Can I tell you, if you could learn that skill, you'd be so far ahead in life. It doesn't matter where you are on the scale, right? Some people, their earnings are way up here and some are way down. It doesn't matter where you are. If you will learn how to say no, you'll be ahead. Because think about this. If you want to have more money, there's two things you can do and only two. You can either make more money or you can spend less money. You know what's the easy one? Spending less. 
Now, making more, that's great. If you can do both, that's awesome. You increase that gap, right? Make more and spend less, wonderful. But making more kind of depends on a lot of other factors, doesn't it? Spending less depends almost only on us. And so, there's the power of restraint. I've had people tell me, but pastor, I just, I just can't get ahead. Everything you wear is new. Of course you can't get ahead. No, no, it's the man. He's keeping me down. No, you're the man keeping you down. Or the woman, right? The power of restraint, right? Actually, I could go on and on and on, right? But the point is, is that in financial things, we have a lot of practical ignorance. And listen, I want to make a very simple statement. If we are ignorant about practical things and finances, we are always going to be behind. That's why you see wealthy people that end up broke, right? Most of us, we will live our entire lives, we will never, from day one until the end, if you added it all up, we will never make a million dollars. Never. Not in our wildest dreams. And yet there are people that they could have millions and millions of dollars and end up completely broke. Right? It's not because life is too expensive, it's because they're ignorant. And that's, that's really the issue. So let's, let's turn it then, let's talk about spiritual financial ignorance. In our scripture, these two people, Ananias and Sapphira, they were actually well-to-do. We don't know the exact level, but we know this. We know that they owned multiple properties. We know that because they sold a piece of property for a profit, but they didn't sell their home. So they still had a place to live, right? Already, they are in the top uh, probably 10% of all of life, right? These are wealthy people in most people's minds. They had property. They probably had investments. But they lacked a basic understanding of kingdom finances. Acts 5, verses 3 and 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, something that you need to understand about this story, I've heard many people misinterpret it. Some people have taught that what happened is, is that they sold a land and they didn't tithe on it. That is not true. They were not wrong in the amount of money that they gave. That wasn't the issue. This wasn't an evil plot. Ananias and Sapphira didn't sit down and like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to rob God. We're going to lie to the church. None of that happened. That, that's not what happened there. What it was is that they were ignorant of some spiritual realities. The main thing that they got wrong, Ananias and Sapphira, and this is only implied and so it's not specifically stated, but I think it's well supported, is that they misunderstood and they thought that giving a large amount of money was the same as giving what God asked. But it's not, is it? Right? God doesn't ever say, right? God didn't show up and say to you, I want you to give a whole bunch of money. Right? That's never what happened, right? First he said, give the tithe. Right? Which is 10%. That's easy math. Anyone can do 10%. Right? I mean, most of us, right? We got, you can just do this. Right? And if you can't, I'm sorry. You know, if you're, 
Right, that's easy. So God says give the tithe, and then sometimes God speaks to us about giving other things, doesn't he? Right? In an offering, he might, he might challenge you, you need to give a certain amount. Or in world evangelism, it'll be a certain amount. And that's between you and God. I don't know what that is. And the problem is, is sometimes we can misunderstand and think that if we just give a large amount, it's the same as giving what God wants. And that's not the case. These two people, they were financially illiterate in spiritual things. They didn't understand. And there's a lot of people that are like that. Now, maybe you're not in the same situation where you have property and all of these things, but there are many Christians that they are spiritually, financially illiterate. They don't understand the tithe. They don't understand offerings or pledges. They struggle with the concept of priority, uh, which is the first fruits or the idea that stewardship and savings matters. And so this is actually a spiritual problem. In our text, you need to pay close attention to what happened. Ananias and Sapphira were not judged for how much they gave to God. Right, and we have to correct that misconception. They were not judged because they didn't give enough. I don't believe that that, that is accurate. They were condemned because of the spiritual root inside of them that caused them to act in an inappropriate way. Acts 5, verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. This word conceived, he says, there's something that was birthed inside of you that was unrighteous. And it's going to destroy you. This something in them that moved them to make an unwise or an unrighteous decision. Right? And we could probably talk about uh, many things there, but to keep it simple, listen. We have to be cautious about the things that we allow in our heart that affect our money and how we react to God. Sometimes people grow to resent God in finances. God, why would you ask for this when you know I have that need? Sometimes people want to change God's command. We'll look at the word, we'll hear what God teaches, what God tells us, and, and we'll try to alter that and adjust it. But I really think, and I just believe, and I have a different opinion, and as our scripture says, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? This isn't against man. This is against God. As Christians, we are called to be good stewards of the resources we have. Money ignorance is the opposite of good stewardship. So let's talk then for a moment about money trouble. Money trouble. And then maybe we'll open up for questions. When we have financial ignorance of any type, of course, that's going to cause financial problems, right? If we don't understand money, we're going to have financial problems. That is inescapable. There's no way around it. That's true of any system. If you don't understand how a car works, right, you're going to have car trouble. If you don't understand how your job works, you're going to have job trouble. If you don't understand money, you're going to have money trouble. The most obvious, of course, uh, that we'll discuss this morning is lack. 
If I were to ask people, what are your financial problems, right? This would be the only one we talk about. I don't have enough, right? Not enough. I don't think anyone's ever said, you know, gee, I just got too much money. I just don't know what to do with it. And if anyone ever said that, I can help you with that problem, right? <laughs> right? I know a very simple solution. But see, that's not the trouble we have. We have the problem of lack. And so a lack of understanding about money is usually going to lead to a lack of money, right? Very practical things. If you don't understand debt, you're going to end up spending most of your money paying lenders rather than building your life. Right. And some of you, you've dealt with this. You've looked at payments you've got, whether it's a, uh, you know, a car payment, a credit payment, a loan. And you realize what you're paying in interest is most of the money. And so you realize you are losing money because you didn't understand debt. If you don't understand savings, that means you're going to miss opportunities that come your way. You know, uh, in our lesson this morning, again, I, I'm speaking about marriage and money, so I don't want to get caught up too deep in this. But, you know, if you were to say that debt takes away opportunities, savings is what gives you opportunities. Savings is what lets you take advantage of opportunities. Rachel and I, we have some good friends in the Prescott Church they are very blessed financially. God has really helped them. But going all the way back to the very earliest days of our friendship when we first got married, the one thing that they had was they had a savings account. It wasn't big. I remember it, when we first got married, um, he, had, uh, he had saved some money. He probably saved a couple thousand dollars. In those days, this would have been the equivalent of maybe one month's salary, right? I remember having dinner with them. They were living in this little, uh, it was like, like a mobile home or a trailer home. Uh, and he said, oh, today I just bought this, uh, this little motorcycle, like a little dirt bike. And I was like, oh, wow, are you into riding dirt bikes? He said, no, but I saw it for sale and I saw that the price was really cheap. I knew I could sell it for a profit. And something in my mind, I remember thinking, Corey's going to be all right. He's going to make it in life. And sure enough, he, he bought it. He sold it. I don't remember what the details were. Many details have gone on. But simply because he had some of his money that he didn't spend set aside, he had the power to take advantage of an opportunity. He was able to turn it into something else. He could buy this and then he sold it. He has never stopped from then till now. Now uh, they, they are very, very successful. They own properties around the, the whole area that they rent to people. They do, they're involved in all different kinds of business. And it all boils down to a very simple couple of principles. One, like I said a few minutes ago, the power to say no. And two, the power of savings. They just simply didn't spend all their money when they had it. But see, if we don't understand that, we'll always miss opportunities that come our way. But the problem is we justify it, don't we? You get a little bit of extra money, right? You've got this much left at the end of your paycheck. You know what? It was a hard month. I deserve whatever, right? I deserve to go to my favorite restaurant. I deserve to take a holiday for a day or two. Sure, you do. But future you is not going to like you. If you would have just held on to that a little bit longer, 
you could have done something else with that. Of course, lack of restraint means you're going to have more toys than peace. We could go on and on, but the point is, here's the first money problem. If we don't understand money, then we won't have money. But then there are kingdom financial problems. Families can bring themselves under a curse if they don't get this worked out. There are people that do not tithe because they don't believe they can afford to. Your crisis has convinced you you can't afford to tithe. The problem is the Bible makes it clear in Malachi that refusing to tithe is where the curse comes from. And now the curse is telling you you can't tithe. The only way to break the curse is the tithe. Again, this lesson isn't about tithing, but you can bring yourself under a curse because of spiritual financial ignorance. Malachi 3.9. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. It says you are cursed because of the robbery. He goes on to explain that's about the tithe. Then you can live under the curse of debt because of any of the other factors that we already discussed this morning. Deuteronomy 28 is an interesting chapter, and he's describing blessing and cursing. And he says, basically, when you obey God, the blessing is that you won't be in debt. And the curse of disobedience is that you will always be in debt. That's the curse of disobedience. Now, I understand there are some things in life, right? Uh, this lesson is too short uh, to cover all of the possibilities. There is the possibility of good debt if you were invested in a property or a home, but that's not really the, the subject at hand this morning. There is a reality of a spiritual cursing in debt. It's a spiritual bondage. Again, I'm not talking necessarily about your particular situation, but an overarching general spiritual truth. So let's, let's make it, let's bring it to the point then. These financial problems often become marriage problems, don't they? You talk about financial issues, this often becomes a marriage issue. This can create conflict. If you read about marriage and about marriage crisis, many sources, they claim that the number one reason for divorce in the developed world is money trouble. I don't know how they, how they come to that conclusion, but I will say that uh, uh, it sounds right. As far as the marriage counseling I've done, money trouble is, is very high on the list of things that cause crisis, right? People fight about who spent all the money, right? You fight about who's supposed to earn the money. You fight about what it costs to do this or do that. You fight about whose money is whose. You fight about who's responsible, who isn't helping. And beyond that, the simple stress of lack can create conflict in a home. This is often linked to uh, unrealistic or unmet expectations. Different than simply lacking, right? Everyone's at a different financial level, but expectations can turn that into a crisis. One of the things I had to tell my sons when they uh, first moved out of the home and they were uh, getting married, I said, you have to remember, you're not going to live like me. 
I have spent 40 years working on my lifestyle. I've been saving. I've been careful about things. I've made wise financial decisions. Your life is not going to be like mine. And your wife needs to understand that. When you get married, she better not be looking at me and your mom and think that this is how, because you don't, you're not at the same level I'm at. You know, expectations will mess you up if you're not careful, right? We're going to talk in a few minutes about uh, discussing financial expectations, but expectations can make it a crisis. Maybe you uh, have less money than you expected you would. Maybe your, uh, your husband isn't providing like you thought he would. Maybe your, your wife is spending more than you thought she would. James 1 verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. It's talking about something inside of us that can draw us away from the path of blessing. But whatever it may be, money problems, if we're not careful, they can evolve into resentment against your spouse. I've counseled many marriages where with their lips they say, listen, I understand we're in a difficult situation, right? Work is tough and life is difficult. But on the inside, they don't really understand and they resent their spouse. They blame them for the financial situation they in. They think if only you weren't like this, maybe if I had married that one, we would be better off. We would live in a nicer house. And so there's this undercurrent of bitterness that sucks the life and the joy out of your home. And then, of course, uh, a related financial problem is it will expose communication problems. It is shocking to me how little or how poorly married people communicate about money. About anything really, but our subject this morning is money. And what's sad is many of the financial problems that you've got were created by communication problems. So let's talk then finally about some money decisions that will help you um, uh, and then we will hopefully have time for questions money decisions three decisions you need to make if you want to survive in your marriage uh, when it comes to the issues of money number one you need to decide that God's way is better right listen God has spoken clearly about finances God has spoken clearly about work and he's spoken clearly about the family God has told us how a family should work when it comes to finances, who should support and who should keep the home. God made it clear. God has spoken about our roles in a home and in a family. You're going to have to make up your mind who is smarter, me or God. You're going to have to make up your mind who is smarter, society or God. Your counselors at school or God, your mother or your auntie, your uncles or God. You're going to have to come to these conclusions. You're going to have to decide that God's way is better. Listen, I believe that you can trust God's word and experience has borne that out. So this is decision number one. You must decide that God's way is better. Decision number two you need to decide to communicate about money. You know, one of the greatest things you can do for your marriage is develop an open communication, right? Of course, about anything, but about money. 
before you're married, talk about money. If you're single and uh, there's some guy or some girl that has caught your eye, you better start talking about money. Work these things out. Long before you, you've gotten yourself entwined, talk about lifestyle expectations, right? Listen, if we get married, you understand uh, on my paycheck where we have to live, right? And maybe she'd be like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Actually, I'm not that attracted to you any longer. Listen, can I, can I just help you out? It is much better to hear that before you're married. Because if not, you're going to live in hell the rest of your life. You need to talk about these things. You need to talk about ministry and calling, right? The, the, one of the very first conversations you should ever have before you get married is whether or not you feel called to preach or not, or whether or not you believe you're called to be a pastor's wife, right? You need to have that conversation first because that's going to decide a lot of things. So talk about these things. You need to talk about your ideas about work and home life balance. Discuss these things. Then, of course, in the marriage, you should talk, right? Let me tell you something that will kill your marriage. Money secrets. There should be no money secrets in the home ever, with the exception of this. You're buying a gift, right? And you're like, honey, please don't look at the Amazon account because I bought you something, right? That's the only time it's okay. If you are keeping money secrets from your spouse, you better fix that quick if you would like them to stay your spouse. Amen, Pastor Heinberg. Again, thank you for the encouragement. You all have been so supportive of this lesson this morning. I do genuinely appreciate it. In addition, since I've already, uh, I've already entered the field, in a marriage, all, and I want to make sure we're clear on that, that's the word all in English, A-double-L, which means complete in, in, in the Latin, en toto, all money is shared. All money is shared in a marriage. And I'll fight you on it. Because the Bible says that we have become one. Oh, yes, no, totally, everything. Well, it's just that, you know, I've got my account. I pay for this, you know, I, I pay for, you know, the lights. He's got his account. No, no, no. No, you're not hearing me. All money is shared in a godly marriage. If you have a legitimate concern like my husband is not saved or my wife is not saved and if the money was shared, they're going to take it all and spend my entire paycheck on knickknacks, okay, then let's talk. In the absence of that, the only righteous way is that all money is shared. Okay, one, one other exception here. If you got like a gift for your birthday or Christmas, right? Your granny is like, hey, sweetie. And, okay, you don't have to share that. You can spend it on yourself. But let me just throw this out there. If you're in desperate financial situations and you get a birthday gift, maybe you should share that. No, my granny said it's for me. Ask me why we're still happily married, not just married. Because we're not selfish like that. 
Genesis 2:24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. There's something uh, powerful about unity in a home. So, money is shared. But then you need to communicate about money. Rachel and I are open. We talk about money. We talk about what we're going to spend. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm, I'm a real adult. I'm a full adult. I have grandchildren. I'm a full adult. I am allowed to do whatever I want. I have the right. I don't need Rachel's permission to do anything. But I'm married to her, and so we talk about money. We are, she has the right, she's allowed to do whatever she wants. But neither of us, as long as we have been married, we don't make any kind of sizable financial decision or purchase without talking about it. We discuss these things. Hey, this is what I would like to do. Just want to make sure there's nothing else. You have any other plans? You have any other ideas? We talk about these things. That's just normal. And the, and the reason I have to say that is that some people, that freaks them out. <sighs> I'm a man. I have to ask her. You're right, you don't. But you know what? Would you like to sleep in the same bed as her tonight? Why don't you just ask her? It's not going to hurt you. You don't lose man points for being nice to your wife. Hello. Ladies, no man's going to tell me what to do. Fine, wonderful. Go to work and flex your muscles. <laughs> but at home... All money is shared, and we discuss it. You can talk about these things. Honey, let, let me tell you a true story. There's a couple, and I, they're not here. Don't worry, but uh, I, I tell stories, and people are like, who is it, right? They came to me for counseling, and this was a tearful, I mean, right? This, and we had a fight, and it was that, and, you know, and all these things. But what happened, you know, what, what, you know, what, what was the crisis? You know what the crisis was? As she went, she went and got a brand new, very nice weave, right? No problem. No problem. But she didn't say anything about it. And what she didn't know was that that week, there was a serious bill that was due. The husband knew. Right? And he was ready. He's like, good, we got the money. We can pay the bill. He went to pay the bill, and there's not enough money in the account. And then sweetheart came home. You know, she had the locks of Samson. <laughs> right? There's where the money is. Now I can't pay the lights. You know what? If they would just talk. Right? Honey, listen. Just so you know, uh, we've got this bill coming. We've got the money. Just, just, that, just so you know, next week we're cool, right? If she would have said, hey, I'm thinking about getting my nails did, getting my hair did, right? If she would have said anything, he would have said, oh, cool. Hey, next week, no problem. But this week we've got, listen, talk. Just talk about, if you make that decision, we will communicate about money. You will eliminate a lot of of the crises that you have, right? Things that you need to talk about. You need to talk about who will manage the money. You need to settle that. You need to talk about uh, what are we going to give? What kinds of things are we going to do with our money? You know, you should talk about now, can we afford to help our extended family members? Talk about it long before they ask you. 
Because if you talk about it and you look at your budget and you say, we can't afford, then if tomorrow someone calls you crying, you can say, oh, you know what? We already talked about this. We can't afford to. Easy, right? What about your adult children? Talk about whether or not you can help them. Discuss those things. If you will talk about money, you'll avoid a lot of the heartache. And then finally, uh, my third piece of advice to give you is learn how to get wisdom. Learn how to get wisdom, right? Number one, the Bible speaks endlessly about money. If you, if you want to look, there's endless books written about managing your money. You know, there is a piece of paper that has the power to eliminate many of your financial troubles. You know what it is? A hundred dollar bill. No, it is not that. A budget. No, I didn't just swear in church. I know you feel like I did. A budget. If you would sit down with a piece of paper with your spouse, and you know what a budget is? You write down all the money that you make, not the money you think you make, the money you actually make, right? Write it on one side, and then, then weep. Oh, is that really it? Right? Then you draw a line, and then on the other side, start writing down the money you spend. That's a budget. That's it. And what you'll discover very quickly is where you can start deleting some things. Write down the non-negotiables. I have to pay for my housing, right? You, that's it, right? I have to pay for my tithe. I have to pay the lights bill, right? Uh, you know, you start working down, and then you start doing the math, and you realize, wait, when I get down to this item, the money's all gone. You know what? Every item below that, just get rid of it. But pastor, I like them. Those are my kids. <laughs> okay, don't get rid of them. But can I just tell you, if you'd make a budget, It'll get you so much closer to where you need to be uh, in your financial life. All right, we're running out of time. I'm going to use up all of our time for questions and answers. Our sixth principle uh, this morning is that money matters more than you think in your marriage. Uh, I want to stop there. If you have a question relevant to this study, uh, let me see your hand. If you've got a question, raise your hand so I can see it. Anyone at all? Man, tough crowd this morning. It's all right. I know. I was stepping on people's toes. It's all right, but you should forgive me. I'm your pastor. All right, going once, going twice. All right, we're going to break. Our morning service begins in about 10 minutes.